Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. For our discussion today, we return to the Illinois Appellate Court, in this instance, the First District, as we review a decision, uh, boy, just about two weeks ago uh, in uh, People versus White. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and along with criminal defense attorney James Dore of LaBelle Law, we'll be discussing this case that was presided over by Justice Stephen Watkins. Um, very interesting and, and timely case. So, James, first of all, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you for that kind introduction. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. I love these cases, and I certainly always appreciate you sharing these that are just very current, um, just you know, just having been decided in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to discuss today the importance of Terry stops. We've talked about those in our judicial discussions and how the courts use that as uh, a basis for the reversal of Mr. White's conviction in this case. So let's start uh, with the beginning. The scenario begins in uh, Chicago under an L station. What can you explain about what took place? All right. Well, I, and what I like best about doing these cases, Tim, is, you know, it really brings the Fourth Amendment into context for us. And even, you know, the Terry decision that we're using, we've talked about in previous podcasts, that was a decision in 1968, and they're still fleshing that out and applying it to real-world facts that we find on today's date. So it's still things that we're, we're sorting out and the courts are sorting out, and they, you know, and they try to provide some guidance uh, in these decisions as well. So, um, yeah, we could break this down. Uh, in this case, uh, Dontrell White was the defendant who ended up appealing this decision. Um, he lost his case in the trial court. Um, and what happened was he was on an L platform. Um, it was on South Kedzie. So he was on the pink line, one of the pink line stations, uh, 1944 South Kedzie, for those of you who know the city. And, um, and the uh, three bike patrol officers were riding down the street uh, underneath that L station. And one of the, uh, the officers held, heard somebody yell, uh, F you. Mother Effer, um, and looked up and saw the defendant and his friend staring at the officers. And then the defendant had spit off the platform, not, you know, generally in the officer's direction, but they didn't strike the, the officer. And the officer testified he never felt threatened by the spit. But what happened was these officers set up on around different spots around the station and, you know, proceeded to conduct a stop of these men. Um, and eventually that led to, um, the finding of some narcotics and the arrest and conviction ultimately of the defendant here. Yeah. And it's funny because you described that initial confrontation for lack of a better term, but, but uh, tell us what the original verdict was. You said convicted of what was this a possession? Was this felony? And what, what yeah. were the, uh, or what, what was the uh, uh, sentence in the case then? It was uh, the defendant here was charged with possession of less than 15 grams of morphine. He had various, uh, pills in a, in a pill bottle, um, different, different kinds, but that's what it came down as 15, less than 15 grams or more. He was sentenced to two years probation and he was, his, um, denial of his motion to suppress evidence, um, cause he, his trial attorneys filed a motion to suppress evidence, did a full hearing on this and they lost, did a motion to, to reconsider. And eventually the appellate public defender's office took this case up and, uh, and got it reversed. So they did a, did a good job on that. 
I know you'd like to kind of take these things step by step. Let's do that now. The, uh, again, the defendant appears to have been somewhat confrontational with the police as described, but um, regardless, in, in ter- prior to the, to the finding of the uh, drugs, there was no crime committed, right? I mean, there was, there was nothing right. that he did that was criminal. And I think that's what they came down to. They, they, the state uh, state's attorney's office here, led by Tim Fox, wanted to justify the stop and arrest, the stop and search and arrest, um, saying that the, um, the officers were entitled to conduct that because and the officer testified to this. He wanted to see what was going on. So when they set up, the three officers set up outside the cell station, the cell platform at the exit, they wanted to see what was going on. Now, that's what was one of the key aspects, I think, of this decision because that's not justified under a, a Terry stop. Uh, these, these stops that the officers are, are uh, entitled to do, if they think that there's uh, a reasonable suspicion that a, a crime has been committed, um, so this must be supported by you know, reasonable or trickable suspicion of criminal activity. Here they didn't have one. They had wanted to see what was going on. That, that phrase, see what was going on, does not amount to I'm investigating a crime or a possible crime, something like that. So ultimately, um, they, they tried to, to use that spinning off the platform as, a, as an attempted assault, but the officer in his own testimony at the hearing said he was never threatened by it. You know, it, was, it probably wasn't even close enough to him to be considered a threat, would be my guess at that. The reasoning is under the Terry stop. And um, let's let's apply the Terry stop here a little further. Um, and there are several steps the court reviewed, uh, the appellate court reviewed in their analysis. The first was the officer asking the defendant to remove his hands from his pockets as he came down that that stairway from the L platform. Uh, the defendant delayed in doing that. Uh, that caused the officer to place the defendant against the wall and pat him down. Explain the relevance of the Terry stop in in terms of that sequence of events. Right. It- at the very instance when they stopped, the, the appellate court ruled that they did not, they were not justified under a Terry stop. And really, it boils down to a Terry scenario. There's three, uh, in the scenario of police citizen encounters, there's three kinds that you find typically. You'll find an arrest supported by probable cause. You'll find a consensual stop where somebody approaches an officer or they have just reason to talk on the street. And then, third category would be Terry stops, where, which are brief investigatory detentions. They have to be supported by uh, reasonable, articulable suspicion of criminal activity, and a stop is just in order for the officer to say, you know, to confirm or dispel whatever suspicions that he has. But it has to be a clear suspicion of some criminal activity, not I'm going to see what's going on, right? The Terry stop, <laughs> the, the Terry case, Terry v. Ohio makes it clear that hunches are not are not allowed. You need to have a, a reasonable uh, basis, which means when we look at it, we need to be have a reasonable basis. It has to be. <clears throat> Articulable, so they have to be able to say, "I'm suspicious of X," not just "I have a hunch." Well, let's let's follow that line of thinking. We're we're talking with Attorney James Dore today. Um, uh, great discussion here on liberty and the law. We're talking about uh, People versus White, a recent ruling from the Illinois Appellate Court. Um, James always shares detailed views on, on cases like this or legal concepts. All of these can be found past podcast articles and such at LavelleLaw.com. Um, today's case is an interesting one, and as he told us in the very informative introduction, uh, you know, this, the Terry stop referrals and the courts go back to 1968. We're still learning new and different ways that those are applied and how they're used today. Um, so as, as we go through this case, um, 
there was a pat down after uh, after Mr. White was placed against the wall. The officer patted him down. He felt something that he thought could be the barrel of a gun. What what happened next? And again, help us with the relevance. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to go back to just our last question a little bit about the the, the ordering of the men up against the wall because the, the, the appellate mm-hmm. court ruled that when the, the officers originally approached them, they did not the officers did not have. Um, reasonable suspicion on the Terry, Terry stop scenario to stop those gentlemen. And then they tried to say that the, the officers tried to claim or the state tried to claim on their behalf that the act of the defendant not removing his hands from his pocket several times when, you know, asked to do so, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, requested um, that, that helped that start, that led to one of the suspicions that enabled them to, to do the pat down, which the, the, the concurring opinion made it clear that, the state can't have it both ways. They they either have uh, suspicion enough for the stop to begin with, or they don't. They can't say that when as they're conducting their stop that when he refused to take his hands out of his pocket that that further justified it, right? So they didn't they yeah. didn't let, you know that the concurring opinion was pointing out that that that, that was not appropriate. But um, when the, the when the defendant did not remove his hands from his pockets, the the, the officers patted him down. And then in the pat down of the defendant, they, they discover the officer discovers a pill bottle, um, and that's really what it's one of the the analysis of that is the officers allowed to conduct a pat down search in an appropriate Terry stop stop scenario, right? To, uh-huh. For protective uh, for the officer's protective uh, uh, interest. So in the, in the interest of officer safety, if they're if they have a proper basis to stop and ask somebody about. What are they, what they're up to, right? Like they're suspicious of some criminal activity. The officer can perform a brief pat down to make sure that defendant isn't carrying any weapons. But once that officer, they, they, and the appellate court was great. Because first, they said, "Well, there's no basis for a Terry stop." But even if there was, the pat down <laughs> went too far because once the mm-hmm. officer knew it was a pill bottle and knew it was not a barrel of a gun, at that point, he should not have removed it from the pocket. He, he was not a threat to him. And should have been left alone. So at that point, um, they made it clear that Terry doesn't allow pat downs to seize evidence. They're allowed pat downs in terms of officer safety and protective o- protecting officers from guns and knives and whatnot. And is is that where the court then uh, referred to Minnesota versus Dickerson? Right, right. They went in that case, but that was one of the, the, the distinctions of that case involved um, finding uh, uh, cocaine on, on a suspect. And they, I guess it had been the, the officer already knew that there was no weapon on this person, but they still went through and did a, a pat down, I guess, in a, in a coat where they already knew there was no weapon and found a bag of cocaine. But the lump wasn't something that they could tell right away what it was. Um, it was it was not identifiable as a weapon. And it was, you know, they, they ruled that the officer went too far in removing that item, that item um, from the pocket. Now, this ruling, you've mentioned it already several times, the ruling itself referenced the, the quote from the officer um, that saying that, his, he approached, that he approached White, in quotes, to see what was going on. Um, and I think you've all, always referenced uh, defense attorneys, you know, building a case, keeping records, always being able to refer back to certain things. It seems like by tracking that statement, um, that became a real focal point for, for the appellate court, and it looked like good defense work by his attorney. Yeah, it, and that's, this comes out at hearings, and I and I agree. It, it, it's and, and unless you unless you have the wherewithal to file the motion, hold the hearing, and then conduct an, you know a, a, a questioning of this officer, 
um, to get these details out, we don't know. I mean, they're not going to write this in the police reports other than probably that phrase of wanted to see what was going on. I bet that was in the reports because they never could back away from that statement. So, um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's worthwhile to pursue because without asking about that pill bottle and what you're suspicious of and everything along those lines, I mean, it, it, there isn't a chance to, to, to flesh these issues out. Now, we've got a couple minutes left, and I'm always interested when we repeat, uh, review these uh, cases, uh, there is the decision, and sometimes there's a dissenting view. In this case, it was unanimous, but one of the justices wrote a second opinion to enforce a specific view of the case. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what, what that was about? Well, he he agreed, first of all, in concurring the opinion that their, their uh, analysis mm-hmm. under the terrorist stop was correct. There was never reasonable suspicion supporting the Terry stop, and so he's concurring, concurring in that decision fully. But he wanted to point out a few other things because these case laws do provide guidance to police officers and the public. So, you know, it's, he's looking at the judicial uh, branch's role in educating the public and, and the police officers through these decisions. Um, and that's where it came with that request to remove the hands from the pocket because he characterized this as a heads-I-win, tails-you-lose situation that the state's attorney's office wants to use here. Um, and he concluded that the Fourth Amendment is the loser here because they're trying to use the state, is trying to use the um, defendant's unwillingness to stop and be interrogated by a police officer and remove his hands from his pocket so they can you know, be, be um, you know, detained and interrogated. Um, they're, they're using that as a basis to further that detention and in the, in the investigation and the saying the state can't have it both ways is either you had reasonable suspicion when you stopped this man or you didn't, you can't use the conduct that occurred after that as further uh, reason to justify a Terry stop. So it's an excellent, excellent well, decision. No, I, and I think I was going to say that uh, the way that was wrapped up was, was outstanding. And as you say, then uh, just to reinforce that's, that's what future cases can be built on. It's not just the, the uh, general decision, but but these second opinions can also be become important in future cases. Correct? That is correct. And, and Jimmy pointed out here, the judge, that the um, that these kind of cases can turn on on very different details about whether you want to avoid the police or not, and the speed of which you do that. So these handful of cases, Jim, that they, they that uh, Justice Hyman uh, cites at the end. These would be great. We should go through these next time, one of our future podcasts, and talk about, you know, uh, flight of suspects in front of police and what's allowed and what's not allowed, because these decisions are all over the place. Interesting. All right, great topic. We'll pick it up uh, as we talk to you again. Thanks very much, James Dorr, for joining us again. Visit LavelleLaw.com. You can always reach James, 847-705-7555. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Great conversation today.